0: Love Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations, or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for
1: informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is T.J. Marsh, and Hello you're everybody. listening to our Hi. Syndication with Janet Carrollson. Go ahead, high. Janet.
0: <laughs> we have two shows calling in at the same time, so um, we haven't done this in about three years, so we're we're having fun here. Anyway, I, I um, yeah, we are syndicated. I was in the middle of saying hello to everybody, and then your your uh, disclaimer came in. It's like what? Okay. Anyway, well, let me pick up, and then we'll go back to TJ That's and great. TJ can say hi. But this is a panel. Um, with Karen gresham Nichols, Jetta Care Lesson, and Teresa Jeanette Herman-Morris. Okay, and th- today's an um, episode of UFO Secret Space. And this is part two. We did our part one show with Karen in our panel last week, and it was so much fun. We're doing it again. We might do this forever. Who knows? We'll, we'll do it periodically. <laughs> but, um, Karen... I don't know if I can live that long. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, none of us know how long we're going to live Anymore. It's like you used to think you had a certain amount of time, and then these pandemics come in. It's like, oh no, this might be my last day. This might be my last year. It's uh, a way, new way of thinking of the <laughs> world and life. Anyway, I'm not going to go through Karen's bio. I have a page up on aquarianradio.com. I think TJ has it up on her website, so she'll tell you about where yeah. she's listed today's show. So I will pass the topic to TJ, and I'm so. So you learned our voices. I'm Janet Carolesson, lesson and that's T J and Karen, say say hello.
2: So we got your Hi. voice. Yeah, I'm glad to be here tonight Hi. with you guys. It's always fun. We always have a good time.
0: Yes, we do. Okay, T J now pass so we have this virtual talking stick. And and the other person is supposed to shut up when the person gets a <laughs> toxic. It's a theory. It doesn't always work. Pass I'm passing it to TJ. And it doesn't mean you take it for the whole time. you supposed to talk to her about, I don't know, three minutes to five minutes, and then you pass it on. Because it's a round table. We're going around the table. Okay. TJ, hello.
1: Okay. Hi. Hi, Hi Janet. Janet. Hi, yeah, Janet's in Hawaii. Hi, Karen. This is great. Hi, and I'm in Dallas. You're in Dallas, and Janet's in Maui. Yeah, that's a triangle. uh, Yeah, we got a good thing going here, or three women. I've got it called Cosmic Awakening on my site, Ascension Age, with Karen Gresham-Nickel, Janet K. Lesson, and Teresa J. because it wouldn't let me. I already had too much on it, but at least uh, when it shows up on Spreaker and on uh, YouTube, it'll show you know Karen, Janet, and Teresa up there, but this one for me is cosmic awakening, ascension age. Now, Janet, on the speaker, what, uh, when it hits YouTube, what's your show called tonight? I can't see your title. What's your title? I put it up. I
0: I put it up on UFO Secret Space because that's a site we created a couple of years ago. Um we both have. A, at, least at one point, we both had a copy of it. <laughs> so I looked the other day and I still have it. And so that's where we have it come out. But, well, those um, are great. We might both both, uh, yeah. Well, we, we have all these names we put up there and too many, but I looked and I saw that I still have the website. Um, but uh, what do you want to talk about? I think last week we started on, you know, a bunch of different things. I forget all we talked about. It was a, It was a really good
2: show. But well, here, right? Right? I would like, I what would would like, like to hear. About? I would like to hear Janet what you, you know uh, your background in relation to Zachariah Sitchin. That was really interesting. Would you t- okay. tell us about that?
0: I would. I would. So in 1997, I moved in with Doctor Lesson. I was living on the I met him at a conference, and he was teaching Tantra. In um, Santa Cruz, I think it was Santa Cruz, at California, or Santa Clara, Santa Clara. Anyway, we met at Mount Madonna, wherever that is, and it was a yogic um, ashram type place. And um, we were doing a, uh, a conference there, we were renting out their space, and we were attending a conference. And um, Dr. Ness and Sasha was teaching the Tantra. And I had always wanted to formally study Tantra. Uh, I was back dating again. I had been married monogamously since I was 16, so I was in my 40s, 42, 43 then. So um, after like 20 years of being married to different people, 22 years, I wanted to know, I wanted to study relationships. I wanted to know why my relationships kept failing, <laughs> and, um, and and the common element was me, of course. So it was like, well, there must be something I'm doing wrong. So I ended up um, contacting the teacher of the Tantra part of this whole conference. And I said, um, I want to come to your part of the conference. What are you going to charge me? And he said, I weighed my fees entirely. I went, what? <laughs> I thought, this is the nicest person in the world. <laughs> you know, he's supposed to get a couple hundred dollars. He doesn't know me from anyone. And um, so he waived his fee. So I... I you know, from my up my uh, what I needed to do: plane tickets and uh, getting a ride to the conference. And and we were late, of course, because <laughs> we had to connect with a third person ride sharing. And when I got there, it, I had to, the only seat left was right across from him. And oh, so we were looking cute. at each other the entire workshop. And uh, you know, I was attracted to, him, but so was a lot of other people. You know, it was almost like he was a we were in a meat market, and the other people were taking numbers. I want him. oh, I don't have a chance in the world. This man could gather a harem here. So, um, anyway, fate meant that we were to come together. And um, when we when we went on the break, he came up to me right away. I went, oh, that's like my fantasy come true. And he and he's tall. He's like six foot, and I'm five foot two. And he said, oh, I thought you were taller. And then he thought for a second, he goes, oh, it must be your aura. (laughs) You've got a really big aura. So anyway, we hit it off. And and, um, by the end of the conference, I was just, like, madly in love with him. And we kept uh, running into each other everywhere we went. So this this is a long story short. uh, We fell in love. Um, I was uh, living in Oahu, and I, I, I just had a bunch of dysfunctional friendships and potential, you know, sex partners or potential partners, but there was nobody that I wanted to be with. There was nobody I would want to marry, right? And and it, deep down my heart, I wanted to get married again. I like being married. So um, I ended up going back. Uh, we went to the second conference in upstate New York. I saw my parents for the last time when they were in Pennsylvania. I didn't know it was the last time I was going to ever see them, but they both died with that in that following – well, my mom died that following – Later in that year, and then my dad died two years later, too. So. Anyway, um, so after we, we met at these two conferences, we ended up making love and falling in love. And I, I went back, and I told them all my dysfunctional relationships of leaving, you know, um, and I moved to now. I just to in <laughs> with him. It was absolutely insane. You don't do that, right? But my heart was just so full, cool, and it's like it, it's like I had this invisible checklist And he met every check in the the yes, (laughs) yes call. He was like, yes, 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 yes." (laughs) And I I said, if if I do not just take this chance and get on a plane and move over there, I will regret it in the rest of my existence because I I will have missed this opportunity. And, of course, it was magical. Now, one of the people that he was uh, involved with over here in Maui was the people from the prophets Conference. So ironically, because I'm in the New Age spiritual movement and always been involved with that, um, I had somehow found them on the Internet. Now, we're talking 1997, Um, and I had been on the Internet since, what, 1990, 91, 92, 93, because I worked at Penn State University, and the universities were the first people to get the Internet. And we didn't know what it was called until then. (laughs) And so I, and since I was a uh, in computer science for part of my background, I was uh, teaching people how to use their software and helping Penn State University. University we were transferring from paper, you know, the old forms you go out, to um, a whole system which was uh, 40,000 people I ended up using. And I was part of the IT team and um, involved at all the meetings. And I ended up, I always end up in the president's office. So I ended up in the CEO's office office who reported to the president since they don't remember his name. But we're talking about the head of a 40,000-person organization. And then they have, I don't know, 100,000 students or something. So there I was. <laughs> um, doing, and, I, and I'm only like a moderate computer science person. So, but I learned that whenever you need help, you get a, a, a geek. So anyway... Uh, fast forward, I, I got involved with the I, – I learned about listservs and emails and how to find people, so I found Cody and Robin Johnston. Now, Cody and Robin were tech savvy, right? And so it was just so weird when I ended up living with Dr. that he says, oh, my friends are coming over. And he said who they were. I go, I know the Prophet conference people, he goes, yeah, they're my best friend. they have known for 20 years. I go, oh, my God. So, you know, and this is how my life was magical, mystical. So I ended up uh, getting an invitation to become the first Zechariah Sitchin certification program because they were sponsoring Zechariah Sitchin. And so, back over, back up a couple months before this invitation came, I um, didn't know how to tell my husband. That I was an ET contact. He experienced experiencer, it, right? It's like, how do you tell your husband <laughs> that, right? <laughs> and right. Um, so I put the gods of Eden by William Bromley on the back of his toilet, see, you know, the you know the shelf above it, um, because he always reads um, there, um, right? He always reads her. and he, it's out there for a while, and I go, oh, this isn't working. And I was really kind of afraid of saying it because the worst thing would have been like, I got rejected. Oh, you're some kind of, you know, you'll phone that, and you'll this. But he came out, one, out of the bathroom one day and said, where did you get that book? I go, well, I brought it. And, and he said, is there more? <laughs> So he ended up actually going with me down to borders, never borders <laughs> That's our generation. and hey, we bought every book they had on Ve and then what they didn't have in stock we ordered. So he just became totally addicted because it answered his questions he had when he was a young anthropology student, um, you know doing his dissertation, doing this field work, and he would encounter these things that were not in the box and in fact, uh, in those days in academia, they kept pushing you into the box. If you had any ideas outside of the box, it was like, no, you must conform. Do you want to get your Ph.D.? Yeah, well, you better buy, you know, the party line and not really say all this stuff. So he had always he had encountered stuff, and they were just, you know, things he couldn't explain. But when um, I got him into the fiction book, it was just phenomenal. So then when we got the invitation, um, and we didn't have a lot of money. But we we pulled it together each and every time. It was like the universe wanted us to do this, and so um, he was hooked. So anyway, we were blessed to study with Zechariah. Now Zechariah was a little wonderful, strange man. Had a funny voice. He was uh, um, And I'm learning the difference. There's, Hasidic Jews, Orthodox Jews, secular Jews. When my husband was raised. He's very kind of new-age Jew, <laughs> you know, very lucid. <laughs> and each of them have different, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, the Catholics and the Christians and the Mormons, different, different sects. So he was uh, kind of new-age Jewish, and, but um, Zechariah was probably uh, Orthodox. So, so he was always conflicted about how these things resolved with his studies. And so studying, I, I, I saw Shitzel, Shitzel
2: <laughs> recently
0: on, uh, it was in the an Netflix, and I highly recommend it. It, uh, it was about these um, these Jewish people, their their culture. But they're, all they do is study the, 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 the Torah. They study it, like every moment of their lives. The men do. Hmm. They go every day and study it. So, of course, Zechariah was part of that culture where all they do is study it and they they actually kind of they take it apart, you know, word by word, syllable by syllable, letter by letter. And that's how he got immersed in the study, because that was his culture. I guess this whole new revelation about the culture. So he, he was so, and they're, they're detail-oriented. So he wrote a series of, I don't know how many books, it's like between 10 and 20 books by the time he passed. Died at the age of 90, and... um and we were, we were there studying. So at some point he said, because, you know, um, the men are always revered as the scholars, so Dr. Lesson gets uh, invited to uh, kind of pick up the baton. Zechariah was getting up there, and he didn't know how he, how long he had to live, so he says he "Over Dr. Lesson, and they have this conversation about, you know, can you help me create a... a an educational program because Dr. Lesson was a Ph.D. and he taught at the universities of Hawaii and Manoa and he was a guest uh, teacher in California and, and he was up in Oregon he was up in Alaska so he taught everywhere uh, at a Ph.D. level in universities you know, in various parts of the world so that's where we started but he had already started uh, immersing himself in in, in history studies because it's confirmed his uh, beliefs and and studies and and the missing links, the missing holes in what he was learning as an anthropologist. So anyway, there we are. So we've written uh, five books on the Anunnaki. He's working on the sixth book. He's um, doing, he used to teach comparative religion, so he's going into now looking at from the Anunnaki's perspective, putting them in the equation and then re looking at all the religion. So he talked about the religions, religion, feel like in the sixties, seventies and eighties, maybe even since nineties. So now he's just applying pitching studies. And and, and we've gone way beyond pitch, even because pitching's been dead since um, over the twenty ten, so it's, you know, ten years later, so he's always yeah, he my husband gets up at one two in the morning and he just studies. And yeah. <laughs> so next person.
2: Well, that's wonderful. I mean, I've always been fascinated with Sitchin's books. What, what a what an education experience you had with that. That's great.
0: I, and it, it's ongoing, so um, we're probably going to do a bunch of recordings. I'm getting the glitches out of his computer, and uh, I just got him a new mic, and we're going to do a whole series, an educational series, So if anybody's interested. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be really good. And, um, yeah, we're going to do some webinars on it. Because nobody goes into this level of detail, but like you said, now there's all these people out there, and there's a lot of people that are bashing the information and Uh uh, putting their own into it. So, of course, Ancient Aliens did that uh, for the last, what, I don't know how many years they're doing, 15 years now or something they've They've been
2: what um, they've been doing they've been honoring Sitchin no the television show so they put their everybody comes along puts their twist in it's
0: like um, the old game and you would whisper in somebody's ear and then come full circle you could see how twisted things are so everybody's Mm -hmm. putting a twist into all the information (laughs) it's just like you know Christianity right it's like yeah there's a bunch of twists in there too so, yeah, not much you can That's do about true. that except look in your own heart and soul and say what resonates with me.
2: Yeah, everybody yeah. should realize they have their own walk and you know. But you will find I think, and especially now, I think everybody's a, a very shaken with the surroundings that affects the energy. And there's some people whose issues bring them to put others down or take their you know deal that they haven't cleaned out their origin yet. Yeah, you see who
0: people, people who put feel the need to put somebody else down, that's um, a level of insecurity on their uh, end. It and is. So if you were just objective of your own behavior, so why do I have to, you know, cut somebody yeah. else down? Why can't I just stand on my own merit and my own beliefs? So uh, I think
2: it's really important in the COVID times. I think so, <laughs> um, too. I think everybody... Puts their own idea, and you know, I think it's really helpful when people can get into their emotional, you know, heart chakra instead of get out of their head, and then they see a right, lot of things right. work out and well, clear in order to raise that up.
0: So, yeah, you can. If you find yourself uh, being harsh or critical, um, if you just imagine the chakra system and pulling it down in through your heart chakra, and then yeah. Say it again Say it from mm-hmm. your heart It'll usually come up That's just a simple exercise But if you find yourself um, You know Really projecting or being insecure And critical You know You might want to do some therapy on that
2: <laughs> you know, Oh really yeah look absolutely at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah really And they <laughs> should be asking those questions Themselves because they're the one who came in With the lesson and if they yeah, don't get it it's neutralized, it'll go bug out with them. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's hard to be objective about yourself. So that's you know, why I've, we I've have our at,
0: mirrors in the world. Right. Yeah, go
2: ahead. I've been amazed here in in my part of the United States how people are not using their mask or their gloves. And uh, it's really, really tricky. Now, we I live in an area called the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And in Arlington, which is a suburb of Fort Worth, in between Dallas and Fort Worth, they do it. You know, they have good guidelines. Uh They follow. In Dallas, you rarely see anybody with one. It's really something.
0: So I wonder how, uh, and and this thing doesn't have a breakdown of cities, it just says states. I'm looking for one of the chart uh, sites that say what's going on. Now, I wonder they if they've the map seen it. Come
2: up yeah. yeah, have you seen it under the the light? Because they've shown what it's like under the a certain kind of light. What what the virus looks like? It's pretty scary. And the little oh, specks okay. are everywhere. Yeah, they have that on CNN a lot. They just indicate okay, in about to thirty minutes. It's interesting. A certain kind of certain kind of camera that they take if somebody's uh-huh. breathing and how to measure the particles from the breathing as opposed to the surfaces and all of that. So Yeah, and now mask is becoming up. a fashion play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we're just I, you know, I, I think yeah. I think it's a good thing that in a way it should show people that you know, to seek, to ask questions. You know, to ask questions because this is a play. We're in a play. A momentary play. We've all been in many. And then we're forever. So as much as we can learn whatever we came in here for then we neutralize what the issue is, as you all know, and and then we don't have to do it anymore. But if we don't get it neutralized it stays in our electromagnetic field and all of our cellular uh, molecular structure and goes forward to the next place. Right. And so mhm. So that's interesting. So this is all this is karmic
0: and this is energy and this is breath and this is life and and this isn't the first rodeo we've been in. We've bet in pandemics in other lives. Oh, I yeah. have a deep soul memory of being in with the plague and other things. And so when, people, when that came around, this thought of it, oh, no, not this again. Oh, my god, Yeah. And ironically, I'm watching Catherine, Catherine the Great, and she um, had to deal with, um, what was it, the smallpox, right? And, hmm. and they just killed people. And they were dropping over dead, and they were, they were just taking all their surfs out to a field and burning them. So you see fires burning every night, right? And so... Apparently, this is I don't know how much is true. It's, it's like a, a parody on Catherine and, and Peter the Great, but uh, she learned about, um, they had a different term for it. But basically, it's like what we do, the, the vaccines. And so she's got a little bit of, um, of the repost from somebody that had died. It's like getting the antibodies, right? And she put her life in it. And in front of everybody, she says, we can't be afraid of this. She um, takes a knife and she stabs in her hand, or you know, in her um, the upper part of her, her hand, and she, you know, injects herself with it. So <laughs> she had yeah. read about this and talked about it with a colleague, who all they all did was read about it in the books. You know, this is how you handle this pandemic, and so, um, and of course, she, she didn't get it, and so she started inoculating her people, and they. They eliminated the uh, smallpox. Uh, wow, that's rates, interesting. Um, and that was in the 1700s. So this has been around. We've had viruses and pandemics for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in the Dark Ages, um, this goes back to the Anunnaki. They said that they saw the um, – it became the, the prototype for the Grim Reaper, right? So they saw these people in mass. And uh, they were spraying the fields, and the next day that town would have the plague. Right? So they were spraying it, and people were breathing it in. So somebody back there on the year 1000, so, and I say it was an advanced race that knew about biochemical warfare, purposely infected because they they wanted to keep the population down. So when humans were breeding, and they had too many humans. There was some faction of, I suppose, the Anunnaki was um, calling the population and getting it down to a manageable number. So here we have a history of it.
2: Yeah, that is. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in the personalities and how people are, and time also, too. You know, I posted that little video that you all have seen, you know, that was sent to me by a dear friend, and... uh, it's called the volunteers, and it's the two little girls oh, okay. telepathically talking. It's totally darling. Have you seen it, Teresa? I saw that one. Yeah, and that. Did you
0: see that uh, video?
1: Are you there TJ, <laughs> or are you on mute? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I am here i had done mute. Like y'all were talking. Okay. Um, I don't know what. Did I miss it? I, I don't. Did, uh, I don't know what video you're talking about.
2: Okay. Uh I posted it and uh I try to post it every week because I try to reach people. It's and it probably passes through the news. I don't know who get I could you know, I don't tag people because I feel like I'm intrusive on their timeline. Uh I should mm-hmm. but I don't. But this I just put it up there and I post it and repost it. And because people really need to see it. And oh, it's cute. on your domain. Soft, on your legal. domain name. I don't know what it's, your domain
1: is.
2: No, it's is. on
1: my. Fa- it's it's on my Facebook. My timeline. Oh, social on media. Oh yeah, I don't A check social people's media. social media. <laughs> i don't even oh, check my okay. own. <laughs> so unless you know people are into social <laughs> media, I I uh, I guess because I'm always doing stuff, but uh, I I just don't check people's social media. But uh, if Mm -hmm. you want me to see it, I guess we should – that's the reason I guess we're meeting on these radio shows, Karen, because uh – you know, everybody is different, and I guess people don't know that well, a, people don't Well, a lot really... of people
2: don't like social media. A lot of people don't like yeah. Facebook. But especially, you know, that's how it is right now. In fact, I heard on the news somewhere that they're thinking about maybe things might always become even more virtual and even more technologically, I don't know, astute in some way. But... uh I find that well, you know I when I look at the news names. it's like looking at the newspaper. Look at people's wait. Names.
0: One, but, Yeah, go ahead. I didn't hear one, one other time. what did one of the questions finish your sentence and then TJ say yours.
2: Oh, I just think it's kinda like a newspaper for our field, you know. By everybody that we're friends with. You know, we get to see, you know, what they're doing on the thing. That's what I do. And then I got this sent to me and I posted it. I thought it was just fantastic. So I can send it to you if you'd like. I can message you, or I can text it to you.
1: Well, uh, yeah.
2: Uh, or you can go on my timeline and scroll down and watch it. Here.
1: Yeah, what I do is I go the to Facebook. people. Yeah, I, I, I'll I pull your name up in... Uh, uh, Karen, I'll pull your name up and see what comes up. But usually, what I'll do is, is uh, I guess because we build shows, is I go to a person's name or website and look for Karen Grisham Nickel, right?
2: Yeah, I don't. So you should have a page come up
1: in Google. Oh, okay. Karen Grisham Nickel. I have a page Here. that's
2: my company. I have a page that's my company Altius Opus, but I don't. I need to keep it up. I don't keep it up very much. And I'll just, just put something like this on just my personal. Yeah, Karen goes for a call. Yeah, I can send it, yeah, it, can it to you, oh, TJ. Well, wait, there is you I'm looking at. Okay. All
1: right, well,
2: yeah,
0: i just well, to look see. at okay, that.
2: Okay,
1: so we can look at that when...
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. When you, we have some time, it's very cute. Oh, wow, uh, two alien girls. They look like regular girls, and they uh, they're talking about when they volunteered to come to Earth and what they learned. And uh, I've only watched it once or twice. Forget get all one it said. Very pertinent. Very relevant. <laughs> it <laughs> is very
2: and very talking sweet. Talking
0: about the crazy humans.
2: Very, very sweet, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's free. So.
1: Well, let, yeah, but you have a nice... Uh, I'm looking at your domain, karengresham.com, folks. That's who Karen is. And Altius Opus, why don't you tell us about that, Karen? Because I see the name, but I have no clue what that means. So I'm looking... Nice website. Well, Altius...
2: I had Amplius Opus at one time, and then I've had Altior Ipsy. I've always been drawn to the latin names probably because of so many lives i've had in italy and in the latin countries uh but this last one was altius opus which means higher awakening and uh all of them kind of have meant that altior ipsi amplius opus and then altius opus so this is what i have now it's just it's just a a name that i have For my company And I just don't need to I need to probably work on my page a lot more Because I have a tendency to put everything On my personal thing So yeah Well this is Karen Gresham Yeah Uh, This is a nice one The one I'm looking at That's my website That's nice Yeah Yeah.
1: So that's what Thank you Thank you I like people that have websites, a good, you know, especially being readers, we need a good web presence, but it's a very nice one. Uh, and you've got your psychic well, directory on the bottom you. left. You've got your professional uh-huh. associations. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in LinkedIn, uh, the, a lot of the people in professional uh, world, they look at LinkedIn, and it's gotten to be, I, I'm hearing from people anyway, that they they're more there now. It's gotten quite popular, like, Facebook, but a lot of people dropped off of Facebook in 2018, and you know, uh, pretty, uh, some of the people that I've interviewed lately say they want that just for their family and friends. So, but I did uh-huh. put up our show on my on my Facebooks. So I, I feel like for me and Janet, I mean, I, I do post those. I, Janet, you post the shows on social media, don't you? I right? I post the
0: shows. Every time there's a show so I like, I'm busy. <laughs> I yeah, and, I, busy. and
2: Derek Derek and then puts then them put he around. puts them up on my page too. He puts them up on my page and he puts them on my um uh, my timeline. Is that is that what you call it, Janet? I'm pretty much illiterate yeah, when it comes
0: to, come to
2: that. Yeah, he puts it up there.
0: Okay, hold one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on mute for a second. You guys carry the conversation. Hold on i got to take care of something real quick here. So you guys keep talking.
1: I'm going to go on mute. Okay. okay. Keep talking. Okay. Well, do you make guided meditations? No, is this your guided meditation Did you do this, or is it someone else's on your page?
2: Okay. No, I have, like, four of them uh, published back in the early wow. back in 2012, 2013. Two or three of them are in English and one's in Portuguese. And the best one's in Portuguese I think. So it has a lot of sound because I'm a sound uh expert and I read sound and I read energies. So that's how I nice. do it. And then I have in my place I have a little recording studio. So I make personalized mp3s you used to call them cds and some people are still buying my cds uh derek said the other day uh, on amazon which you know cds they don't really listen to everything's made into an mp3 and then mp3s are available too if somebody just wants to get an mp3 but and then i also that's more like just for the overall it's called i am cosmic and in portuguese Sou cosmica and uh so then you know the others i do when i have a student mostly i have i'm teaching now more than anything and uh all the synchronicities we're working on and and i see how all of these students have come in through synchronistic energies it's amazing and then i'll make mp3s or part of their lesson and i actually have homework forum that I give, and we do a lot of things through creative artistry and the sound, And uh, but their biggest thing is simple, and that's why I like the two little girls on this video talking about, the, and one, one little girl says, and they don't trust themselves, and it's so <laughs> cute, and she said, really? They don't trust themselves, and, and that's, the, that's the whole thing is the trust of the self because when we leave this play we become the observer and we look and do the inventory and if you're catholic it's called purgatory the inventory and then you you look and there's no feeling it's an observation of the incidents and how you did and what you came in to learn that you didn't neutralize before and how you come together and then um That's how the observer takes over. And uh, a lot of people, of course, we strive to leave these glitches behind. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to go into the emotional doors. And the mass populace in the world have not wanted to do that. They come from their head, not their heart. And so that's why the likeness of their energy that they put out can create the likeness of the environment where we are. And I think in every turn of the century or every stage of life, like when the plagues were going on in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and now here, we needed a transition because the systems here on 3D weren't working anymore. They were falling apart and so i've seen a lot of people wake up and awaken and ask questions through fear or sadness and i always say okay if you're mad turn the mad to sad and be as intense as you can and then feel feel because fear is also a strong motivator it can be negative it can be positive and then, of course, love and unconditional love comes from that. But the mad, the mad and the anger is always a block that stops. And usually the people are coming from the head or processing in their head. So, yeah, I have a, on my, if you go into my timeline, there's another real good video that I posted. He's a neurosurgeon. Teresa, he's um uh, His name is Eben Alexander, and he's a Harvard graduate, and he uh, had a death experience. He was in a coma for nine days or something like that. And um, he was very conventional, even agnostic. And then when he came out, his whole life changed. So he's helping the medical field wake up into the higher dimensional realms beyond the 3D. He's doing a great job. I think that's probably the best video I've ever seen, and it's an hour and a half long, so you have to think, I'm going to watch a movie, and he's great, and he's tied to the Theosophical society and which is and he's now you know he he opened up to to uh the higher consciousness to to God and everything, so he's wonderful.
1: I've watched his videos because I've had near death experiences and me being a contactee too. So I followed his stuff on uh, YouTube, right? Don't uh, you he's, think
2: he's good? I like his
1: story. Yes, I think he's a great speaker, and yeah, uh, I like the is. way that he <laughs> puts proof of heaven. <laughs> That's his book, Proof yeah, of Heaven. Yeah,
2: he's he, yeah, he's really natural. He's he's real, and he's real intense. And I think that's necessary. He has the force. And you've got the force, too. I'd like to hear about your stuff. We didn't finish them uh, before the last time about your Roswell stuff and all of that, if you can. If you can't, I understand, because I know there's some things you probably can't talk about.
0: Well, so I'm it's just a matter I'd like to hear your Roswell stuff.
1: Okay. I'm back. Uh, well, which part? So I just want to let hurt? you know I'm
0: back. So.
1: Well, Janet, you know uh, my stories, but uh, where do you want no, me to I start? No, I want to hear from you. Just well, start. Uh, start
0: with the Roswell story. Um, you can go back in time. Okay, let me let me let me ask you then, since I've heard the story a bunch of times and I understand a lot about it, but I don't know it all. But T.J., okay. and I'm just going to say it, T.J. Uh, realized that she was uh gray that was part of the team that delivered the two Roswell crafts in the Roswell crash in 1947, the first week of July. And... And then we pieced this together with Lawrence Spencer, who wrote a book called Alien Interview. So we found Lawrence Spencer after, and this is recorded on one of our shows where TJ was relaying that she was uh, one of the two graves. But uh, Tom was one of the graves, and he didn't survive. But when when you guys die, you're back up on the ship, right? I. I guess you, I should not explain. answer me. You got answer me. Yeah. Can't well, you hear me, me let me ask you. Okay, I'll say. Well, I I didn't know if you heard me. So when you were the gray, and I know this is hard to say, but you told me years ago, and I have recorded, and it just flew it flew out of your mouth like like great ease, like it was just a memory. And then it seems like oh, it's difficult talking about now. So, you know, I haven't recorded, but it's like... So, Errol the Grey got taken into um, the facility after the crash, and she was interviewed by this nurse, and Lauren Spencer gave the nurse a pseudonym. Um, But the nurse was interviewing the the Grey alien, and they have pages and pages of documentation. Um, So, everything was written down, and then the nurse took it with her and moved to Ireland and she contacted Lauren Spencer because of his other books. And she said, I'm dying soon. I want to pass this on to you. And uh, so Lauren Spencer got these books and he just basically published it verbatim. And what what happened when you read the book and there's a series of videos, it's called alien interview. It was on YouTube a few years back when we were focused on this part and Errol the gray, said that, first of all, nobody killed her. She said, that was my doll baby. It was an avatar. So we had the concept of avatars back in the 40s. And uh, she was uh, like the lead gray, and she was explaining how existence works. So they have a a, uh, business, kind of like a business where they provide life forms for people that are um, colonizing new planets and they want to introduce, you know, animals and bees and birds and stuff like that. And so, you know, once you introduce a life form, it will alter, have have um, microevolution to adapt to the climate. So we have an original species and then it gets acclimated and changes. So the main thing she conveyed was that this is a prison planet and that her a thousand of her um, uh, grays, we'll call them grays for the lack of another word, um, got trapped in, I guess it was Tibet. Uh, They were the Dopas, and they got killed. And so those thousand gray souls are trapped in the recycle of birth, life, death, you know, reincarnation Mm -hmm. on earth. And so the reason they're interested in human beings and they want us to evolve and that's why where they delivered the chip. So they can help yeah, we're supposed to help them free their their souls. And they've they've done extensive work and part of them uh they got us out of the dark ages. We were really we really would still be trapped in the dark ages. But as yeah, you're
2: talking about it.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they were able to break through on that but they said you know, if we could get these intelligent beings to work alongside of us, we could probably break this. It is a matrix and free all of our species. Everybody's trapped in this system.
2: Right, right. Okay. Back to the other view. Well, I don't know that. I can, feel, can you hear me? I can I can I can feel I can feel uh Teresa, I can feel your energy very sensitive about this as she was telling about it. You were maybe having some kind of flashbacks because as we're talking, I have this other dimension that just kind of floats through like I'm watching a film in ethereal ether type form as we're talking. So I can feel all this.
1: Well, can you hear me? Am I coming through? I can hear you well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I didn't think you could, for some reason. Well, uh, it's interesting to hear Janet talk about that, because what happened is I came on one of her radio shows, and it struck a chord, and she kept asking questions like I knew what I was talking about. And I I just blurted out because I was there, and I was like, oh, my God, now I've done it, because... Here's what happened. I died as a child. I had a walk-in uh, encounter, and uh, when I was sleeping, I went up on a ship at about 2 to 4. It's sort of standard in the business. We have certain ages we check in with extra or a higher source or self or angelic realm. Mm-hmm. It's called all kind of things. But then uh, I... I was okay with that and I wrote about it in UFO digest. So uh but then I died again. I, I died again or came and went, uh however you want to say it, but this time I was in the second grade. This is how I put the story together. These are the the bumps in the road, but I died again with hepatitis. So I was in Saint Francis Hospital and I saw angels in the top of the corner. So in my little mind I was trying to compare uh, being on a in a big cloud with people, and they were saying, you know, when I was younger, that I had to go back down to the, you know, I, I woke up in a in a field that time. This time, I'm seeing angels at the top of the hospital room when they took all my blood out and tried to clean it because I had hepatitis and they didn't know how I got it. But when they did that, it made me leave my body, and they told me no go back in my body. But I didn't go uh, to heaven or to a spacecraft. I went. I just stayed and sat above my body and saw two angels, so that was... Uh, they told me I was going to do wonderful things and all this, so I went uh, the next year. I had to get better, but I willed myself to White Sands, and uh, that was where my uncles worked at Los Alamos, and one uncle uh, took my grandmother and me, and uh, it was very interesting. I got to go into Carlsbad Caverns underground, and then over there, I did get to see my family again because they put my. we were in the White Sand Dunes, and they put my cousin to sleep. A little 10 year old boy and a 13 year old girl, and they were the ones that told me, Look, a flying saucer as it came over and it went down in a little gully between the white sand dunes, and uh, they went to sleep, and uh, I got to go down. So uh, that was the second, well, that was the first time I'd been on, a, well, the second time I'd been on a spacecraft, or what someone might call another dimension or how they can come and go. But then uh, after that, I just went on and I had extrasensory perception in my life but uh, i i never put together the story that janet told until way way later uh, i'd already been writing for the ufo digest and i was already sort of out i guess when i you know i was awakened through the experiences of having life after death or or out of body or near death experiences but uh when i died again um, I guess you'd say the third time, uh, our bump in the road, was uh, I had my fourth child, the one that just passed, and she came in knowing she was extraterrestrial. And I think we talked about that on the first part of this session, yeah, or great. oral book. Mm-hmm. And so she uh, came in, and she died in my stomach. And then I looked at my mother, and the heartbeat stopped. And that's when uh, they took me to I said am I going to die and the doctor finally got there because was early in the morning and he looked in my eyes but he got right up to my eyes because I was already sort of out of it I guess I was like 60 over 40 was my blood pressure but I was you know dying so uh, I remember looking right in his eyes and I could barely hear myself talk and I said doctor and am I going to die and he said not if not if I can help it and that's when they raced me through the lights overhead and pushed the doors open, and it was real cold in the operating room. And uh, the anesthesiologist, they had me sign a piece of paper because they were going to tie my tubes off so I couldn't have any more babies. It was already prearranged because I had four by the time I was 20. I don't know how old I was in 74, 22 or three, because I was born 122651. Wow. Anyway, it was a great. silly. they, I couldn't sign because I was already too low in my body or too, you know, I didn't. Ha- I couldn't move my arm. I remember the board and me trying to say I can't. But uh, they pushed me on the uh, over on the where they put your feet up in the stirrups, and uh, he was telling them to hurry up and give me the uh, so he could you know get cut the baby out because the baby had already flatlined, and then I was right behind him. And uh, he said, "I can't. She is sixty over forty and dropping. She's not going to make it." So, you know, I was pretty much gone. So he cut my stomach open without anything, and I uh, pulled the baby out, which she had. The, she was blue and had the cord around her neck, and uh, I went up over uh but I remember a nurse screaming. I think because. She knew I wasn't dead yet, and he just cut me open right in front of her and pulled the baby out real quick. Cause they were, you know, the baby was already dead in the room where we were waiting to go into the operating room, uh, wherever they do that with nurses. So, so they didn't uh, do
2: any anesthesia.
1: Oh no, nothing. No, they what? just ripped me open and took the baby. But I was already out of out of my on top of my body watching it. I'd already come out the top
2: oh, head goodness. chakra.
1: So, I was already watching uh, from over my head, but I could still hear and see. So, uh, I remember watching them and hearing the night, you know, and I stayed in the room. I didn't know I was dead, but I was stayed in the room watching, sort of like ghosts. You come out, but you're still involved in what's going on. So, you know, but I was watching them uh, mm-hmm. clean the baby up and she wouldn't breathe. And they took that snorkel and you know, patted her. A nurse, uh, there was a couple of nurses in there, but they took her over and uh, was trying to get her to breathe. I kept saying, "Breathe, breathe." I remember saying that or in my head with ESP, because I don't believe your mind and your brain is your, you know, your essence or your soul. So, but I was talking and uh, I was saying, "Breathe, breathe," and then uh, they finally got her to uh, cry. And they, I stayed long enough for them to put the ink, her foot, uh, ink pad on a piece of paper. Because I saw him prick and take blood out of her heel, and I saw them uh, ink pad on a piece of paper, her foot. I guess that's for the little hospital thing. But uh, they went ahead and cleaned her up, and uh, then the nurse looked at the clock. Uh, and when she looked at that clock, I zoomed off. So I went zooming like on a, a white escalator, zoom, I went up and left this area and no no ship picked me up but I went through uh several layers or the stars and through the galaxy and on up and through the universe and I say several universes cuz I I was able to go up and go through I would say about five five levels but uh, I don't know for sure I was boom you know you, you just travel but that's when I talked to people Why? and I heard voices and it wasn't on the hospital room it was voices where I was going but I had just about reached my destination when I could hear them so I said uh, wait I want to go back and all of a sudden it was like a, this escalator stopped or whatever capsule or whatever I was in as a uh, essence and uh, it, the, the escalator slowed down I call it escalator because of the way it was going it wasn't of course through the universe it was some kind of however we travel light years or light speed but uh uh, it was two people talking. I would think it was a man and a woman, or my guides, or God. I don't know because I didn't go over where you see the pearly gates or the beautiful land. Or you know, I, I just was in limbo right before the next level. And uh, the uh, they said two things. Well, at least two things to me because I've sort of forgotten them over time. But I remember uh, one of them was I said and uh, nobody would say anything so i said well what will happen to my children and so the uh, first thing they said was let's see what will happen to you? they said oh I, nothing and then they said uh, <clears throat> i said well i want to go back somehow with them you know just talking esp and they said well uh all children would be your children and you and they said You'll experience more pain than you've ever experienced before, but it's talking with your mind and I said i don't I could see this opening portal of gold and hurt hear people, but I didn't quite get there, so there was it seemed like forever, but it was just a few seconds and uh I guess they talked to each other without me hearing it because I didn't hear the decision, but then all of a sudden that's that feeling of going like up through space turned and brought me right back down. And then I came all the way back, you know, zoom, zoom through the different levels. And I don't, I know when I was going up that the stars, the one thing I remembered was all this Akashic field energy, all this knowledge came into me. It was amazing. The most amazing thing I'd ever felt going through the stars, but coming down, I don't, I I don't remember that. You know, if it, going back through but I remember hitting my body and uh, coming up off the gurney so uh, I hit backs with so much force that it it banged my soul back into my body so they had to, I came back, of course I didn't have enough blood, there wasn't enough blood in the hospital because I'd lost just about, uh, it was over six, I don't know if we held eight pints I was only short one and a half pints and they didn't have enough Oh, positive. However, many I needed, sixers. Six. It was close to the entire, but I had just enough left, uh, you know, because they'd cut my stomach open, you can imagine, and all the blood. And then I'd already been hemorrhaging. That's uh, my place. I had placenta previa. So that's why the big hole in all the blood, I'd lost all the blood because I was hemorrhaging from the. Uh, I had fallen going in. Uh, I figured this out later that I'd fallen going in to teach baton on a wet. Cement at the Houston's when I was teaching children because I had three girls and you know, expecting the fourth one, so I'd fallen on my butt one day going in, so it started a slow, tiny pin, and I guess it just finally burst open, so that's why I died. But uh, anyway, I came back, and that made me understand a lot about past lives. They started coming in, but I didn't know how to deal with it, so it took me a while to learn to walk and talk again about three months. But I stayed uh, in ICU and my mom said I, I would raise up and I remember dying and coming back where they used the paddles two or three times to keep me in my body because they were trying to get blood in me. So I stayed in there so long that it was two and a half weeks before mother said, don't you want to see your baby? But uh, my stepfather was came to ICU and uh, they couldn't get me to talk or to do anything because I was so gone from no blood. So I never got to see the baby till they took me home, and uh, I could barely walk. It was either two months. I didn't get to bond with the baby, with Gigi. So uh, she, had, she was born with a tail. I remember they clipped her tail off, and that's sort of why wow. part of, yeah, they clipped her tail off, but they – when she died, she talked to me about it and figured that that was part of their alien DNA because that was the part they couldn't get out of her tailbone, or where her where they'd clipped was the part in the alien uh, DNA at Moffitt Cancer Hospital. They they cleaned her blood up, you know, at this forty what just recently in twenty eighteen when she was rebirthed in May of twenty seventeen. So how did they do that? They take How all your they
2: blood out, supposed to other Are they clean it, other people you know, I think I told y'all about uh Terry Ling being interviewed on George Nuri with Cheryl Jones about that. I haven't taken the time to listen to it, but they had, what was the it, it said it had been a, been the first the first scientific break of finding the DNA for the e t oh okay that uh, i don't I don't know what the topic was well, they read I guess it, it was. they read.
1: Yeah, go ahead. They read they have it. To look, they, read. they
2: have to look for something. That yeah. they have to look for something in the blood.
1: Right, and it's a whole big know.
2: process. they alien DNA. Do you guys know?
1: Well, yeah, they study the. the no, they, I'm
2: not. I'm not a
1: geneticist.
2: Right, but there's some they trigger it in it. There's some kind of. There's some kind of protein in there. I think that designates some of that stuff.
1: Well, they have T cells. Know. There's markers. There's markers. They can uh-huh. read every bit of it of your DNA. Of course, you know how that is. And they have like four oh, numbers sure. and all that in strands. But they they the can read all that. Say,
2: yeah.
1: Well, the she was in a cancer. A
2: time.
0: Try not to. I think some you people. Guys are doing I, a lot of
2: crosstalk, and you kind of I try know. not
0: to crosstalk so much. Yeah. Okay. So I think some go of down the and Breathe.
2: <laughs> I think some of the doctors that I've talked to in the past call it trash in the blood, and that's just it means they don't know probably. So it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how to, that they could tell how to tell that. I want to know though.
1: Well, you've heard that the DNA, and we have uh, 23 chromosomes, but 46. Oh sure. 23 and 23. So they break all that down, and they with my daughter, what they did is they would. Uh, gave her some it, a plasma bag basically but her she wasn't making enough blood because she had benzene poisoning she'd acquired that from her painting job so uh, chemicals uh-huh. and stuff in the ocean too. Is that so how she they had the, uh-huh she got too much benzene in her blood <laughs> and it stopped making white cells and red cells it's it, it, people, we we don't know because we don't even think about it, but it, once you go through this stage of working with cancer people or people that get it, you learn a lot. And it was that last one hidden thing after they cleaned her all up, we thought she, what they would call like remission, but she had already had chemotherapy. She was getting shots in her stomach, and then uh, she finally got approved for a uh, trial, and that's when we went to Tampa and they uh, call it rebirth, and they re. she actually gets a new – they don't know if she's going to live through it. And a lot of her friends did – they do for a while, but they were all dead within two years. And she went and saw the, a couple the k- of them. The
2: trial.
1: The people. Yeah. Yeah, people that w- – I lived with them, uh, the people going through it. It's a big, huge process. And it's a totally different lifestyle. I lost weight anyway, but uh, they—it's do the really sad.
2: A different. Do the doctors own and call it a different DNA structure?
1: Uh huh. If you if have you all have that the the first. Well, you have to be typed, but not only do you have to be typed, then you have to—they break your cells down, look at the c cells, and no, they're I so complicated. It. I just wondered if
2: the doctor. I just wondered oh, yeah. if the doctors
1: admit it. Yes, wow. that's why they called that's me unusual. in to a meeting. They wanted to know about that's who all I worked for in the government and uh uh had other doctors uh-huh. come in from other countries. Oh yeah, it's really a big wow. deal. They had uh the Nordics, the women uh some of the women that were Nordics worked there from Norway and we got to know it becomes one big family. It's a huge industry and it's a huge, very uh, you know, you have to be clear There's millions of dollars that go in it She was taking one kill that was like 750000 or something I mean, it's lots and lots of money Lots of people, very good people It's unusual that
2: conventional people. physicians yeah. Will admit that You know Well, they all work so together they to Whatever work well, Was it military? You worked with the military? It, this, is why, this,
0: is, this is why they never cure it Because it's a Billion-dollar industry. They have no incentive right. to ever find the cures for these diseases. Right. And we need to That's we, true. Somehow, as so a society, make. if we want to go from a level zero to a level one society in the Kardashev scale, and, is mm-hmm. that we have to stop monetizing energy and, oh, yeah. um, and, and any kind of health and wellness medical stuff because yeah, it's it, all about It's money. just um, barbaric. Barbaric. Mm -hmm. To monetize, you know, there's no value of a person except for the money they can bill on insurance, when somebody gets rich. That's right. So this is a this is just criminal what they did to you, and they could have cured your daughter. But if they cure one, they've got to cure them all. And if they start curing it, then they're out, and they don't get the money. It's
2: right. It's all about money. It is. That's really well. a big story.
1: It, It was. They were so compassionate in the beginning, and at the end when they know that, you know, after she, they can't cure you, then they just sort of, it's sad to watch the video at the last because her savior, I won't mention names because it's not fair, but, I mean, I should, but he was very, he was very famous, and he did a lot of TV and all that, but they're very, compassionate his father even died from the same thing my daughter did and that's why he got into the study of that but at the last he just told her what it was going to be like and that video is on youtube too you know in the beginning when she's positive and people tracked her on facebook and you know they were her friends on facebook and at the end uh, she was just another number and they just sit her down and tell her and they were even cutting out her only hope for what little bit of cleanup to keep her alive at the end but finally she hemorrhaged in her brain here at the house and janet was on the phone when she was Mm -hmm. leaving the body or but she hung around in her body she didn't want to leave and i had to watch her you know her stomach go in and out you know it was so sad sad Mm because they only had a window but since she was already so deep with the cancer and gone through the trial and they did all they could you know they had told her that She'd bleed out her eyes, and she did.
2: Anything?
1: Oh, no, we didn't get that did you far have a, because. No. no, it was, uh, she was, she you was young, play. and at the end, uh, at the end, uh, she was here at the house where she wanted to be, and we had a hospice come in right the last, because she could still walk and talk like everybody, you know, she was. It's perfectly fine walking around talking. The only thing is that when you're going through all the bad stuff they do to help her, it eats up all the lining in your mouth and on your lips and all the way down through your intestines. It, I mean, it literally eats you up. From the you have to regrow. It's it's quite a long process, the trial and. And killing, it kills you and you start over again. Now, see, I didn't go through all that when I died because I didn't have the cancer or the chemicals they put in me, you know. So I'd, I had a clean break. She had her, a terrible thing, but she was trying to prolong her life having with cancer, mm-hmm. right? But she was hoping to beat it. I can tell you stuff that that extraterrestrial parts of me that – Janet talked about in the beginning is the fact that those little gray, uh, the reason I could do it, it, was like remote viewing in this life. But see, the part you don't know is Tom and I were sent out, we found each other like Mr. and Mrs. Smith over in Africa. So we worked on some international, we were both investigators, but we were both in military too. So. Uh, we, he was Army and I was Navy, but I crossed over into uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, so to speak, Joint. And so I was trained and I wore Let Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine. Okay. Let me
0: explain to our listeners what you mean by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Because I, I had this interview with T.J. and and Tom on my show.
1: And uh-huh.
0: they were each other's assignment. Um, if, if it came to it, Tom would, would have killed T.J., and I, wow. I said to uh, on the show, I said, "Where did you guys first meet?" And Tom says, "Oh, I saw TJ at the end of my in my scope." And we went, "What?" Oh anyway, my god! She even said on a mission to South Africa. And <laughs> um, wow. There, there was a guy. She she didn't know what was going on. They had her. They 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 used. TJ liked um, eye candy for a while there. She was tall and gorgeous, right? So they, they flew her down <laughs> to South Africa. She didn't know where she's going. <laughs> That's fine. a need to know bases. And it's a, what was it, a, fancy, um, a fancy house. Largest country club in the world. Golf course, in the world. Wor- right? <laughs> yeah, largest country and, club. And, and if I say this, let, let me just say, this, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, there was some guy she had to go pin a flower. I forget if it was a carnation or a rose, but she, she they, they said, oh, it's like she was the hostess. Here, go pin this flower on him. Welcome. So she pins his flower on his pal and walks away, and he goes, Hoop. hits the ground. Hoop. Dead. So the, the assassin on the other end was Tom, TJ's future husband. And so, oh, uh, <laughs> so TJ put the flower it. on and. Walked away. <laughs> and he died. Well, they didn't uh, kill. She, me. I don't know what was they your reaction kill him I, was?
1: I wasn't there. I'd already walked back see, into the building, fell. and they rushed me off. <laughs> so I, they, I wanted to go back and see what was oh, going on. on so I said I was. Didn't. See, I, I didn't know I, what I was made going it on. Into
0: my movie. I go. Oh, she. See in my movie, I made it that you walked away and you heard the stud. See, because that's what you would do in Hollywood, right? I just Hollywoodized your <laughs> scene. So you walked away, you didn't know what it was. But I had to. <laughs> okay, wait, you can't leave the whole room. You gotta, you gotta hear the stud turn around and go, whoa, shocked. Or well, I imagine Hollywood so, would like your book
1: you, better than so my books. So, because mine's dry. <laughs> yeah, well, mine's not so boy. pretty like you, do. I'm very do, good but at
0: creating scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yours yeah. yes, is. I like listening you. to yours. So, so
0: when you when you heard about it, when you heard about it, how did you? Oh, know I didn't he hear about it. That this guy was dead.
1: I didn't hear. I oh, you I learned never about, heard it about it from about Tom. It. No, I was rushed out of there and rushed oh. off of, into uh, he told another you. existence. Uh, well, I knew something because of this count. In in the, they rushed me off to England. This is this is high spice stuff. This is a. Uh, this is stuff that happened before the he Bush Iraq War, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right.
0: So yeah, this it's James Bond stuff. Yeah, it, it was he, Reagan. Was this, a spy was under this in this line?
2: Was this in no, your was life. In this line. Yeah, this is in
0: this life. She was. She was the. But okay, so you didn't know that you were being used to. You know, they they mark people and assassins out there in the.
1: So Tom I didn't has join. right? Well, wait. Well, let me fill this just, in. Uh, whatever. I was an investigator, Karen. Industry, before yeah. I was in, the – I, I joined the government May tenth, nineteen sixty seven. While my husband worked for NASA. Okay, and I was working as uh, ambassador of goodwill for the city of Houston, but Yvonne McCutcheon's recruited me. I was in the paper with our graduating high school class. So I made—I was a real pretty and a uh, girl with a bunch of other pretty girls. So the government recruited us, and it turned out that Yvonne McCutcheon's was a recruiter for women into the government intelligence community. Oh,
2: my gosh. So, and I didn't know. I didn't now. know.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that then. I mean, I knew that the government, and they wanted me to go work for the government, and, you know, it was a big thing to get my parents. But I was already recruited out of a James Bond movie with my husband, and we were taken off to the side of a James Bond movie. So I I know now because I started piecing it together 50 theater. years later. Wow. Yeah, they took me out point. to you everybody. Were, you were
0: watching a James Bond movie. James
1: Bond movie. You were uh, yeah. watching
0: a James Bond movie with her her boyfriend. Which was your future oh. husband. Wow. And then yes, they crowd her outside and what did they say? Let's
1: slow this down there was you, men I'm in black and well,
0: what did they say to you when they got
1: here? They said they asked me if I, uh they asked us if we liked the movie 'cause, you know, I, I, we were in shock because everybody was leaving going back out Windsor the back you know, out the front and they herded yeah. us out the side, uh-huh. corralled us and took us out the side door where you open it up and there's cement and four or five or maybe six cement steps down with a bar. So, you know, they heard us out and there's like one or two men behind me and my boyfriend standing on the steps and then the man in black that smoked, it was like out of X-Files. You know, he looked like that and he had a cigarette. And so he's Uh the one at the bottom of the stairs looking up. And so we're caught. We're not going anywhere, but we're in shock. We're just two teenagers. So... You know, they said, well, mm-hmm. how, how'd you like the movie? And we didn't, you know, we're just, we don't know what to say. This isn't, we don't, you know, we just watched a movie and they want to know what we're thinking. And, you know, we feel like we're in a movie, Men in Black, you know. Of course, we didn't know what Men in Black meant. <laughs> yes. But, you know, back mm-hmm. then. So, you know, we both uh, taught, Steve said first and talked to the guy and said, yeah, it's good and all that. And so he said, well, how would you like to uh, do that kind of work? And my my husband was Asking a question, and then he looked at me. He said, "No, not you, her." And they, they're there, because you know, I guess they already had plans for him to work at NASA or something. I don't know how that goes, but they looked at me, and I said, "Me?" And they said, "Yeah, what did you think? You know, how would you like to do that kind of work?" So, anyway, he went to work for NASA, and I just said, "Sure, I guess I don't know." So. My husband and I, you know, they said, well, they'd be back in touch. And they just cued us in on it and asked, you know, how what we'd think about it. And uh, they left. They didn't keep us there or nothing. They let us go down the stairs. And we went off talking about it in the car. Like, they just said, don't mention it to anybody or anybody. We'll be back in touch. But, uh, you know, like, don't mention talking to us. But we didn't know who we were talking to. And they didn't tell us who we were talking to. So how are you going to talk about wow. it? Wow. You know? But anyway, That's I'm funny. sure I mentioned it to my parents that, you know, somebody stopped us. Wow. But that, I have to pull the whole thing together, and it's so deep and complicated, the life did that I've lived. Did you ever hear that, from him again? Oh, yeah. I wound up working for the government from the – I'd already signed all the government paperwork. No, I mean those two people. But, oh, Oh, I don't know. You mean did I ever see them? I, I, I saw a bunch of men when yeah. I went to uh, Washington, to Langley, and I did the polygraph and retina scan. On my second polygraph, what? they brought in men, men about five or ten men in black suits and stood them in front of me during the polygraph and told me not to forget them. I said, because and, and, they'd be back in touch within 10 years. And I said, 10 years, I'll be dead within. Because back when I was in my 30s, I thought 10 was, this was later on in life. Yeah. <laughs> after I came, yeah. after from high school, see, remember I went to Africa. I come back from Africa, and these huge, tall giants had to be extraterrestrials. But anyway, they were in Navy uniforms. They took me down to the goat locker, and I, I remember taking a treasury test, I took the D-Lab Language Aptitude Battery Test. What's I took all the these goat tests. Locker?
0: Uh, What's a in goat
1: locker? In the Navy, locker? a goat lock, I don't know what a goat locker is, but that's what they called it. It's a room, it. well, it was in the Houston, uh, it's like a government Navy office, and I guess, I don't know what they call it, it's, they took me in the goat locker. I don't know what that means. That's what they was said this they did. They Air Force took me in Bay? Bay? It was just a, a MEPS.
2: Bay?
1: No, it was in one of those government buildings where they have uh, recruit oh. people. Uh, MEPS, MEP, military enlisted. Wow. So, something. But they took me down, oh. and then I had to take all <laughs> these tests. And they, they took me. I had just come in from Africa. Well, from England. I came in from England, UK. What were you when doing? They, there? Uh, I met with a viscount. I met with some royal people. Uh, I stayed and visited. You know why you were royalty. There? I guess to meet the mean, queen. Well, I don't I know I was in, from, in Britain. You don't know was why the I, don't, I did a bunch of work. No, I hadn't. You oh, keep you saying military, okay. and I know down. why because.
0: Okay. Okay. Talk one at a time. You guys are talking over each other and then I get comments you're talking over each other. So you need to do one at a time, okay? So uh, pause after you talk and let because there's a delay. They had an old article about how everything's delayed on the internet, especially now since everybody's home. So you gotta slow down and not talk over each other. So you gotta yield. So let's ask a question and count one, two, then respond and count one, two. Okay, let's try that it's too much I'll cross. Try. Talk, okay. So okay. All the right. question well, was okay. okay. Was and, and just wait till you get the answer to the question. And and uh, so then I'll pass it to Karen. But I think Karen's asking what were you doing and I'm asking what were you doing in England? You know, you said you're talking to royals, I was slow that down and
1: Okay. Now, no. I wasn't in uniform yet. I haven't joined the arm This is the secret. I was already in the government, but I wasn't trained to wear uniforms yet. So, uh, they said I was a rehire four by ten after I came back from from the UK. So, while I was in the UK, so I they, met they, with. So they, uh, they
2: transported you to they transported you to the U- the UK. That was oh, first class.
1: Wow. First class in Africa also. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, That's I flew first class. Back when That's I went amazing. to Africa, you had to have a lot of money. Nobody, not everybody, could go to Africa. So, but mm-hmm. when uh, I went to the UK, I remember I had to meet with Lloyd's of London. I met with them, and I met with uh, six M- MI6 division that worked for the Queen's security. And Tom did too, mm-hmm. by the way. The, the same people that I met, Tom met. But uh, he worked after the French connection during the World War II. They had an underground railroad and an underground uh, intelligence community. So they all worked with the CIA in uh, our country in America. So uh, that was all the people. And see, they all the government and CIA all work with the airports and the army and the military. You know all the military bases. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got trained in all this. Did so you ever figure I got out trained. why That's they fabulous.
0: had you come? T, TJ, did you ever figure out why you were in England? It made no sense to you. You're just being let around and talking to a bunch of royals why? and head monkey bucks. You, you never got what that was about. Is that what you're saying? I, I went, I met with when a lot of England. people.
1: In England, I met with uh, people in record divisions. I met with uh, genealogy people. I met, uh, I don't know, just important people. I remember the viscount because he was and real tall and he picked up.
0: About. But what were they, what they talking about? They all wanted to know about. what was that about.
1: Uh, no what? I don't know. I was. They were nice to me. I don't know. They were happy. They they talked like uh, oh, I don't know what on, it was all PJ. about. It was training. You I don't. To, I you, went you to, you to an embassy. <laughs> did you
2: know why you, you were going over something. there? Did you?
1: Did you want to I was know an investigator. Were... I, I just know I was an investigator, and I was told to find the things out. So, what were you investigating? You know, I, I was what like Whoopi Goldberg. What, you like about? to do movies. It was well, the uh... Jumping Jack Flash. It was a Jumping Jack Flash story. You know how she was helping a guy I don't in understand. the. You don't know Jumping Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg? It was just like that. No, it's I like didn't a, see that. I, all right. Well, anyway, I, they, I went around what, and I, what I did whatever English. I was supposed to do. Um, I, I met what important people. Do. What people. Did you do? They were covering for me, I guess. They, they all like, uh, they all like spy business. Tom met. Uh, Tom got knighted when he went. I didn't get knighted. He, the queen. He danced with the queen, and he met Fergie. Came and jumped in bed with him in the you know, in the castle, the redhead. <laughs> but with me, uh, <laughs> I, I met the viscount. I met a tall, good-looking man. I guess he worked for the queen or something. I wasn't, I was, I, up to that time, I didn't have the intelligence. I was, he just what talked he to me you? about family. He and he, he asked me about people that I knew back then. They were just visiting like they were relatives or something. He, uh, I don't know. Okay. I know they paid for me to stay at the at the five seasons or four seasons or whatever. They picked up the bill, and uh, it was just a bunch Did of diplomats. Did you think they were
2: programming? Did you think they were programming you, maybe?
1: Programming? I didn't even know what that meant till I went to the CIA. The CIA, the guys no, that I introduced mean, but me. What do you mean?
2: it seems like they were conditioning you for your trust in them.
1: Probably, yeah, because they were all – I was going to the different departments of the U.K., but I was an American. And then I wound up going in and out of countries that way. But people, what it is, is like when they come to my country – I learned all this later, but when they come to my country, I would be assigned to – uh, or they'd be assigned to me, like at the conventions you go to, like the big conventions where they have trade industry from all countries. You get signed a diplomatic attache. So I would be the diplomatic attache, but the, the government would pick up all the bills for the food and the restaurants for all these diplomats. So it's like being a courier, intelligence officer, slash, I wasn't in the military yet at least that I know of, because what happened is I had FPO New York fleet post office, but I didn't get into a uniform until I met J. Allen Hynek, okay? They flew me from from, – when I was down in that goat locker and they were deciding what I was doing and some men showed up in suits, they were all fighting for me for, it seemed like, was I going to work for the Treasury? Was I going to work for the Intelligence Agency? Was I going to work for NSA? Was I going to work for the Navy? And somehow the Navy went out, but then the Intelligence Agency buys my contract later when I go to Washington. So I didn't know you could buy contracts, but anyway. So uh, to make a long story short, from the go, from going to U.K., I came back. The men... The big tall men got me, took me to the goat locker. They all decide what I'm going to do. The men in black come pick me up in a black car. I go by the rich, famous attorney I was working for turn in my fancy sports car because I was living like Magnum P.I., which I meet Tom Selleck in Hawaii, which is really funny, because he's living down. He said, I was the one living the, I was living the life that he was portraying on television. <laughs> Tom Selleck said that. It was true. We my had goodness. the same bodyguards. <laughs> yeah, we had the same bodyguard at that time. But uh, it's very complicated. People don't get to live this kind of stuff, but I think the government – had this uh, set up for the spy industry, and they trained people. And then they a lot of mine was training, and the other half was meeting people. And some of it was courier work. Me and my husband would carry documents or, or jewelry, or uh, he carried something in a sock once or microfish. And we wouldn't even know we were carrying things. You know, it was really fun. But uh, it was scary business, so that's why it was Mr. I and Mrs. Bet. Smith. But I Man, don't get put into a incredible. uniform till I, in, I. I wanted to wear a uniform, so they had a big. It, it, I made things hard because I wanted to go to boot camp, again, and that's when I go to boot camp. And the lady that was had me through the first boot camp I went to said, "My God, what would they do to you?" Because, I, I wound up having to go in my suit. That I'd come in from the first class plane in, in UK in a in a suit. I was a woman in a suit. And I had a full quill ostrich briefcase from Africa that one of the men bought for me. It was a gift to me for the kind of – I don't know why, but he did. They let me bring it in. He had to pay duty or something on it, which he did. But uh, I was shipped to Orlando down here where I live in Florida now, but I'm in the panhandle. And I went there, and then one of the – the girl that trained me, she knew me, and she made me platoon, and I had to call Cadence for him. But she showed me outside a a picture that I had done, and she said, you don't remember, and it was my artwork, and I recognized it, but she says, you can't, she took me out, you know, after a few weeks in boot camp, because you go six or eight weeks, i forgot now, I was in K071, I think. She says, what did they do to you? But she remembered me coming through in like 1980 or 81, and then I lost time between eighty one and eighty four when I show back up in Houston and uh then at that time is when I I joined four twenty nine eighty five was my second four by ten enlistment. Four twenty nine eighty five, which was leap year. So I remember it because people would tell me I was lying because February only has twenty eight days. So you know, people can make a liar out of anybody, but it happened to be for 2095 because when they had to renew my contract in Hawaii, an eight-year contract, it was actually they—they they told me our Secret Service, our our NIS, told me they could actually hold me accountable for four times 32 years, but when I When I got from Hawaii to Texas in 94, where I wound up meeting my husband in Dallas, where you are, I haven't met him yet. What Janet was telling you about him in Africa, she knows that. But, see, I hadn't met him yet. So I go to Fort Hood, and I sign a new contract, and I have to take another defense uh, language aptitude battery and another, what do they call that, entry-level Test uh, ASVAB. Is that no? Is that is that what it's called? A A S V A B. But I took it, and I was really disappointed because the first one in Houston, I made like a 97 or something real high. I was the highest because we were all it was me plus about 20, 20 or 30 people took it, and I made the highest grade. I was real smart then, but then but remember I died and got a lot of information from the Kashic field, right? You know. I went and made straight A's at college for a little while there. But when I came back, it's like I only made a 67 or 76 or something real low. But they said, yeah, but between the time you took it in 84, and this is 94, it's 10 years later, and you don't even know a lot of the information that changed. But they said you still have over a high high level above college Maybe it was 87 I made then or 78, but it it was less than I made, and I was disappointed. But they gave me another contract to sign, but I don't know who got it. I don't know if the Army, but a Navy, a man in a Navy uniform had me fill it out. So I don't know if I'm still under contract or not, but I do know that they sent some intelligence agency people to close out my paperwork in the Navy, because I was working, I worked with the engineering people in the embassies when I got to do what I wanted to do. They put me in a a Navy, NAVPAC FAC-ENGCOM, Pacific Navy Facility Engineering Command, because they worked with all the embassies. And then that's when I started learning about Hangar 18 and uh, all the UFO stuff, but uh, I hadn't got assigned to that yet, but they were briefing me on that stuff. And then I got to do classified and uh, handle personnel information security. debrief the Navy and people that came on the base. I got to go on submarines and those you know, carriers and all kind of stuff that pulled into Hawaii. And so that was a training into the classified material. But then yeah. after I leave that and go to Fort Hood and I'm, you know, Jay Allen Heineck was the one that he flew on that plane with me. There was German people and Air Force people, just like in I guess the TV show that I haven't got to watch yet. But people have told me, and I've seen like one or two of them. But he flew with me on a plane from Fort Hood or from Colleen uh, into Chicago somehow. I think we had to train change somewhere. But he's the one that asked, uh, saw me reading a uh, Ruth Montgomery book and uh, Aliens Among Us. So that's when I think my life gets interesting, because after I go and get to wear the uh, Navy uniform, I wore Air Force first in Lowry Air Force Base in Colorado. Then I get to wear the Navy uniform and go through hospital corpsman and become a corpsman. Then they take me in the basement again and tell me and – Another girl and a guy that his father wrote for President Reagan's uh, speech stuff. They took us and said we would never get a DD 214, so uh, we would never ever get a DD 214. So I guess we were in some kind of special special. Explain group. what a DD
0: 214 means. Explain what that is. What is a DD 214? I don't know because I
1: never got one. <laughs> but it's basically what people like mean, to look at, like, a piece of it's paper. Like a- it's what you sure, get. No, it. It's the, the military, paperwork right? you fill out. Apparently, I've seen them written, and I, I mean, I have one. I, they gave me one, but it was a a, a a fake one. It only had five months and eleven days on it for the training. They they said because they didn't want to have to pay me the rest of my life any benefits for the kind of work I did. So it's a way to get you in for training for less than six months on the books. But now Tom had uh, got out at 13 years, but I spent on paper eight years, eight years in uniform. But that would be called active duty and then reservist. But I also worked on the base in personnel and information security as a civil servant, as a GS status. But I worked because I, before I went in, I worked with the FBI, training FBI, and then I helped with uh, train some treasury people that tax people in Great Lakes. And I got my business information certificate, and then I learned to use weapons there. I got certified in Chicago. So it, it overlaces uh, civilian uh, wage grade. I learned wage grade. I, I drove a big truck. And I learned, uh, let's say I was a GS, I was a reservist, I was active duty, I was in all uniforms, I was in black ops, and training. I almost had to go south, uh, uh, what is it, Antarctica, but I I didn't have to through the Air Force. But after I got out of this, Karen, and did all this training and spy business.
0: Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. So... When I was on Johnson Atoll, where I was civilian, and I was working for the military, they did the rotation to Antarctica. You could go Antarctica, Greenland, uh, Marshall Islands, Kwajalein, and Johnson Atoll. And these were all the people that had high-level clearance, and they would do the rotation. So I was talking to them, Because I had been cleared somehow. Now, I'm civilian. I have zero military background. There's a lot you don't know. Right. There's a lot I don't know about why I got there. But um, when I got there, it was like I'm cute, but not that cute, right? I was surrounded by all kinds of people paying a lot of special interest to me. But you said, right there, you said, you almost got said, what the hell is in Antarctica?
1: And all this stuff is in the
0: UFO field.
1: Well, one of the – but... w- Tom worked there, and they trained people to live off-planet, but they put them underground. And he said a lot of them went crazy uh, because of the lighting and knowing that they're – they don't have any uh, – uh, something to do with sunlight, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, it was you get, really you terrible. happy year so. I just – only know what I can tell you that he experienced, because I didn't. Now, some of the friends of mine at the Larry Air Force Base did have to go. They were getting their winter gear and all that. It was spooky, because we'd talk about it, you know, in the re, in the cafeteria together. But I was in an Air Force uniform, right. but I was waiting for my clearance, uh, my top secret or SCI, because I had a German man came and said I had Royal 14. It was above. Top secret special compartmental and all that It was royal So that could have been why I was meeting with the royal people And I don't know And uh, my husband and I knew it was above the president Because they explained to us uh, Like he was Like level 4 or something We were already up at 14 by that and It went up to like 33 I thought that was odd That it went up like the Masons You know what I'm saying The 33 degrees That just could be a coincidence Yeah degrees. It could it be a coincidence. Like, okay, let's
0: let's let's ask you another question, okay, cuz we're all over the place. Um, do you want to ask her a question and, and uh, No, I think what it sounds like to me. Did you just pause the end of the
2: question?
1: We didn't even get to the aliens yet. Go ahead and ask your question.
2: Well, it sounds I know, like let's, they, Yeah, we we're unpacking this.
1: Go yeah, ahead.
2: it sounds like to me that 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 they were you were innocent, you both were young, and they were razzle dazzling you in all these places and you had so much information coming in and they had some way to release a lot of the information they didn't want you to hold on to so that may be why you're confused a lot and you remember some of it and some of it you know is not as clear as it used to be yeah
1: you know, and you were Tom actually- and I yeah, we had uh, both. Now, Karen, listen to this. When we met, we, we didn't know we knew each other. Well, he knew because he didn't know. He put it together because his handler from the CIA brought him the hardcover. Back in the 80s, we still had hardcover, cardboard files, you know, with all the paperwork in it. We didn't have com Well, we had computers, mm-hmm. but we didn't keep everybody. But he knew then. That's when he knew that was me in the dress, that he he realized I, he I was the one that uh, he had the scope on. So we we didn't put no, all didn't. this together till way later, you know. I mean, we were it was amazing. So he and I were both assigned to uh, find out about extraterrestrials, but we didn't were know you it. His and then what we, it, uh, well, I think we were each other's target because I've heard. Uh, Somebody in the UFO community—I won't mention names—but uh, back when Don Berliner and Do you know who Stanton Friedman is, by chance? Are uh-huh. you in the UFO? You do. All yeah, right. Well, back, every,
2: yeah. I, everybody knows him. Yeah.
1: Well, I didn't know because I, I don't to know. know. If, yeah. Well, I didn't either. I never met him that I know of, but he was in that. Group, I've met him a dozen you know,
0: times. <laughs> so Janet yeah. knows him. Okay, so. And, yeah, but let's go back to you were what was you? Oh God, I don't know where we were on the storyline.
1: <laughs> well, ask Karen. Karen, yeah, where were we in the storyline? Let's aside.
2: <laughs> well, it, it was you about were Antarctica. To make a point. And then you were no, going, we were going around
0: everywhere. That. Yeah, we got to find out what I was so, trying. We have
2: to do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. What I what I'm picking up is that the reason you're confused and you're not clear and if it doesn't flow clearly is because they did that.
1: You well, guys. I had missing time because see, I wound up doing yeah, alien stuff. Right. Now remember, well, they, remember the well, last they time you were that. on here, you wanted to know about Preston and me going to Long Island and working on montage. Oh, that's right. Remember? Yeah, I remember. So,
2: yeah, because yeah, I, I was involved. That blows well.
1: me away. When I was sixteen, we were, after that's the when guys. We
2: were
0: all
1: connected. Yeah, so somewhere in between, uh, that going to the movie and getting married, then in '68 or 69, I go with my husband. His husband, his father, that worked at NASA, and you know, his father worked for Grumman. Well, Grumman had a bunch of top secret stuff going on Was at that Montauk, in Clear Lake? and they. Well, we lived at
2: Clear Lake.
1: Yeah, NASA Clear Lake. Yeah, we lived out there. So, mm-hmm. but they. Yeah. His father. They moved to uh, Long Island. And that's when I got taken to meet some, well, I don't even know what I met, but I think it was the little gray gray beings because that's what I see. But it's like with Janet and that Lawrence Spencer she introduced me to and brought him on the radio. Uh He became a friend of mine. He he, uh, sent me his book autographed, and uh, he's a very nice guy. He lives in Texas Mm -hmm. where you are. But – I saw huh. some of those little greys with their minds, but they were scared to death. So, you know, Janet just Janet and I sort of assumed I must have been one because I had this remote viewing experience on her show before I ever knew about. She went and tracked that Lawrence Spencer down. No, you, I don't know you how she. T,
0: you forget, T.J. TJ, what? You told me. And I will have to go get the show. It's back from twenty twelve or twenty thirteen You said that you came down into the timeline and you actually delivered the crap, and you were the one that was uh you you said Tom was the one who got shot in the leg and then he died, and you were the one that were taken into the underground base and interrogated. Then well, I know the story too well, well from a first-hand. No, you. I said know the that story. After you died. You went up. The I told car, you, on the ship.
1: I told you, you the story the before you I found was. a guy with a book. I told you the story, right. and then John Beckland Dennis. Later, it's all confused, Karen, because we you. knew. We no, need somebody to help you, separate you you all my storylines because uh, this, it's all the same story. But you got to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, well no, I mean triggered. I lived you through it. To say a well, go okay, ahead. so
0: stop. I, let me say what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, you always talked over me, so. And I'll find this if I can. I'll go back in time, and you actually said that it was you. So I don't know if you were. Hypnotized and recovering, because I have a. If I do a one-on-one with somebody, I tend to hypnotize them, just because I'm a hypnotherapist and I get people into a deep state, and then they start spilling their guts often. And I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I got I got called on that one time. Like, oh right, because I'm a trained, highly trained therapist, and I just get into like a mind, bulk of mind thing. So you start saying all this stuff about who I am hand what I did. Firsthand. It was not, I saw this on Lawrence Spencer's whatever. No. Then you were shocked when we found it. And I go, and then you <laughs> it, it had it, it took a delay, and I said, TJ, Lawrence Spencer is talking about your story. You're the one that got taken to the underground facility. And then Lawrence Spencer's information has the dialogue because, um the nurse, they called her a nurse, recorded it all, made a copy of her stuff and and stole away with her and went to Ireland. And then she contacted Spencer when she was dying. And she somehow got, she mailed him or something. It back when you could do stuff like that. And so then he decided to publish it. But Lawrence didn't know that you were Errol LeBray. I'm the one that pieced it together. Because I knew your story that you told me firsthand, like in a hypnotherapy session, and then I discovered, and I went, "Holy crap! Look at this! That's your story,
1: right?" That's so, great.
0: Yeah. Well, that's I'm the expecting.
1: part that makes. So, I was missing time back then. You call Where's it the. Feedback? You call it that. You call it the 20 and back program. So Tom and I knew about going off 20 years and coming back, but we, we were only missing 15 seconds. We figured out between the two of us. See, it's real complicated, Karen. It's going to be hard to tell all this that oh, no, uh, I live through. Because, because, do you? Yeah,
2: Robert and okay. I have been through a missing time. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know all that.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, we're missing ignoring.
2: 15 seconds. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
0: How? Wait. How in the world? Of, I would never know I was missing 15 seconds.
1: But so because they told us hours.
0: How do you know you're missing 15 seconds?
1: Because, because of the, the council. The people that are like us say? that we work with off planet, we call them the CIA, yeah. but they're the and CIA they of the say? universe. They're the guardians of the galaxy <laughs> because uh, we were asking. So what did they
0: tell uh, you about missing 15 seconds? Because you're some things that when they, they return don't turn you in a 20 and back. It's not exactly right, so you're not exactly taken at the right second. You're taking you returned 15 seconds later. Is that what you're
1: saying? Yeah, we're gone a long time, but it only we're only missing. 15 seconds or 14 the reason i could uh see i've I've had to put this together karen through listening to how my life worked and then tom's story and tom and i had similar stories but we scared each other but while we were underground we had to go through fort something i've forgotten already i've forgotten more than i uh it was texas and
2: and, pieces fixed together
1: It was Mexico, yeah. We had to go to the mountain, and we had to go under the mountain. But we would work with the uh, – he would play cards with the guys that had the little grays and the bottles inside the mountain. They call it Los – Dulce, Dulce. They called it Dulce, but we weren't allowed to talk about anything then. But they took us for hours through the uh, ground, like when I went to White Sands. So somehow Mm -hmm. that – you go and then they have Welcome to This Underground and then they got Bowling Alley and Cafeteria. So they have this off-planet too because we knew they were mining on the planet, these, you know, different uh, uh, you know, minerals and stuff. And see, the extraterrestrials, they look like us. The reason I knew they were because we weren't here. And so Tom and I would fight because we repelled each other because we didn't want to know the truth. I can't explain it. It took us five years before we ever got married. We were always fighting because uh, we had ships we could talk to. We had people we could talk to. We'd have missing time. We'd be off planet. We'd be on planet. We'd go to sleep, and then it'd be like we were in another dimension. And, and, you know, you're supposed to – try to study Solomon so you don't go crazy and you learn magic because it's real, but it's interdimensional. And it's like they're studying your brain and they're, they're putting in metal cases or Faraday cages and you're doing ESP and they're having you talk to aliens and you're going to area 51. And, you know, he and I would go out on a, a, of course, Janet airlines. I put that as a part of clue. Into these. <laughs> Janet, I put that in my thing. I didn't know we were going to discuss this, but Janet well, Airlines, why one of the CIA. You know, the why
0: they call it Janet Airlines?
1: It was the wife or girlfriend.
0: Janet It was the wife
1: or girlfriend. When the guy had to go out and set up, go into Area 51, because remember it was a salt flame. It was just a place where they were going to test the planes in the beginning. But after they did take some of the mm-hmm. ships there, you know they made the underground stuff but the guy that had the the uh he had to have the CIA uh security the security guy's wife or girlfriend was named Janet so that's why so they called oh. it that he was in charge of security for the intelligence community you know to go back and forth for the uh you know, whoever was working out there, there's a whole bunch of people. That's where that Rick Doty was sitting at one of those. Uh, Rick Doty, remember? Because you can't figure out why he's. I won't give up on him, because he was. He's part of the. He was just doing his job, but there's a whole bunch of names that you know hey, I met. Uh, hey, I just I, I want to get back on because uh,
0: we're we're all over the place. Okay. We're all over the place right now. I want to ask
1: well we haven't even got to the aliens get, yet. We, to, have ten we may flip. have to do that next time. I
0: know. Well, all right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna do some more. But I wanna get you on the aliens. So you're up on the ship. There's five ships outside of a um a wormhole or whatever that is. And you're up there with Tom in your book. It's what you said in your book and it's all hidden in okay. with all this other bull crap, but you can find it. If you're looking for the needle, I hate that. And you <laughs> describe how you were. So they created what they do, Karen, is they create a nice environment wherever you go. So I had, I had the next boyfriend who was under Crystal City in Washington, and they have malls, and they have McDonald's, and they have everything that you would have above, underground. Uh-huh. So people who go there are comfortable. Well, they have the same things on board ship. But, yeah. Um. They can make whatever you want because it's kind of like Star Trek, right? So right. they can make you a hamburger, and it tastes like the one you get from McDonald's or the one you get from, you know, Jack in the Box. They can, they can, mm-hmm. they can have
1: the it's exact zero point energy. You can have anything. That's anything.
2: Yeah,
0: anything. So they have unlimited <laughs> energy. So, so TJ, let me tell this story, then you can. TJ gets she arrives in her quarters. I wish I had the book, and she and and. There's a a closet full of clothes that fit her perfectly, just like she would have had <laughs> it. She would have bought them and it's decorated like. Yeah, I do they, that. They know your mind and they can. Well, we can imagine how they do it, but they know your mind right. and they. Yeah. Now I've ha- I've seen this happen. I've been in a meeting with a hundred thousand uh, individuals that were no two of the same species. So there's at least a hundred thousand races, but they said there's a. Oh yeah. So. For that meeting, we made an amphitheater which would rise up very high, and as the people that were talking—remember? Let let me finish. As the people that were in, as the people that were in the amphitheater, the different species would ask a question. Their face would be highlighted, but their avatar would project down to who was talking on the floor. So I was, I was down the floor, and I was reporting what it was like to be 21st century human, female, whatever, in my society, State of the Union address, what it's like. And so somebody asked me a question, and so that person stood before me. But they could be in real life 12 feet tall, but we were the same height so we could see eye to eye. That's what you do in Tantra. In Tantra, you look in each other's eyes, and when you look in each other's eyes, you see all the way to creation. So there's, there's total authenticity total transparency. There cannot be a lie because you are at that moment like a bulk of mind meld oneness. So we're looking at each other and the, and, the, and the question and answer being conveyed. Everybody in the uh, amphitheater hears the answer in their own language and they understand it or whatever it is. It's all concepts and t- telepathic. But the main point I'm saying is we all created, co-created all 100,000 beings. That Theater for that experience. And once we left, it was gone. So there was no need to have cities or things. Those things could be manifested in, a, in an instant and gone once you left. And that's what they did. They created whatever TJ needed to see. And so when you went up, it would be in your military, Navy, let's say. But when Tom went up, the whole ship was um, army.
1: He and, liked the Army. All of them yeah. had
0: the different rankings. He liked the Army. TJ liked the Navy. So everybody was showing up in Navy uniforms. And, yes. Yeah.
1: So it's weird. We have about, yeah. Uh, yeah. They have nine the ability minutes. to do that. Well, the spacecraft Mm -hmm. that they bring down here, some of it would help if they would have let us talk to the right people, but they put these dumbass people that have degrees that only know what they know out of a book, and they can't think (laughs) creative for themselves anymore. So they resent mm-hmm. people that don't have their level PhD. So, and then Tom, they were they were uh, had security underground in the tapes that Reagan wanted to know about, President Reagan, and those suckers deleted them because they didn't want to lose their. Uh, they wanted to retire. So I learned a lot that you can trust people, but you can't because it depends on the personality. Take- I learned wait, a wait, lot.
0: Wait. You're not making sense. To huh? What? This is a new story. In so the secret
1: things, program, so much, what you did you the uh, Who's the that them? Uh, going on the sh- on the Gus, you know, going on the ships because they weren't supposed to have them. Number one, but they, of course they have the them? army. Some of the people that work uh, them? underground, the you know, military army people, or air force. The uh the guy that was in charge of all the security because uh, he didn't. Uh, uh, Tom uh, I'll just tell you Screw it uh, the, uh, I don't know if y'all are ready for this shit But I'm just going to say it They made a naked no, no, His no. daughter They made his daughter They made like AI You know how we're doing people now But back in the 80s They made an AI person walk off naked And it was his daughter And so he did, He He, he pissed all over stuff, but anyway, it was really a bad scene because he was in charge of the underground, so you know, Tom where has the space. No, not Tom, Why the general, Tom the Tom guy daughter, you were asking too. who deleted the tapes. It, the man that was in charge Wait, of so all that stuff that the government and the Pentagon and all those people that don't know. Remember when Strom mm-hmm. Thurmond, when it was involved in this and him and Philip Corso remember Wait, and they stand asked me
0: topic. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well anyway, it was stand the guys the like them they're in uniform. There he are people a, that are real a, humans a on the planet. A... The, mm-hmm. Gus Gus made the AI walk off onto the ramp off of the spacecraft. And it was this guy that was in charge of the, the mountain, so to speak. His daughter. And he couldn't tell the difference. And he okay. you know, pissed all over so, himself. But so he, let he me they deleted let me, the let files. Me see if I
0: get what you're saying. Okay, you're saying when you were in the ship of God, uh, you were in Gus, which is the Roswell craft. Um, the ship made it uh, read the general's mind and made a avatar of his daughter, and and then the, then the daughter walked off the ship, and he saw his yeah, daughter but I can't
1: I can't admit or deny it. what you just and said about himself. him reading the mind. It's how you put it together in your mind. That's your perception. But well, how would, I don't, How would they
0: get the image of his daughter? they can see everything when they didn't have they're,
1: it. They're pure energy. Okay, they, so they can see the everything. So they got
0: the image of the daughter somehow. Somehow they got the image yeah. of his daughter. They could have got your daughter, the but they got his daughter because they wanted to affect right. him. So he would shoot his right. pants, basically, and go, "Wow." So the
1: AI walks okay. off the ship and off the ship onto the ramp, naked, and all the technicians and the white you know, they had the – you know, picture it like uh, – it was like the mountain, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Groups of those people freaked out, and, and it was a real mm-hmm. bad scene because he knew it was his daughter, but they didn't. But that's – so anyway, it, it's all gone. It doesn't matter. The whole scene is deleted from reality, in this reality, because it was underground, you know. And well, the Army doesn't know it even happened unless – all those people were sworn to secrecy or they'd kill their next-of-kin or they were from Germany or all these countries. You know, the people are sworn to, you know, will kill your family if you talk about it. So they just never talk about it. They're all under
0: right.
1: orders, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So what they did with when, me is I can't the time tell. That Gus came alive? Uh, was it that
0: episode when Gus came alive? The
1: first one
0: time they got to activate?
1: Yeah, okay. during was, that one the, yeah, during that first two and a half months or six months, yeah, yeah. Uh, when we went to Texas, remember we did go to Texas, but you know how you're saying I'm telling you my story, but you have to add all those little things like, well, it, the guy's mind and he got it's. I have the bone, bare bones that I experienced, and then you have the fluff to put it together, so your mind can make a story out of it. So that's what Tom and I were doing all the time with each other. He would say his story, I'd say mine, and we'd try to piece it together. So I think that's why Karen came mm-hmm. along because remember I told you how much you and I have been working together so long, you almost need a third party mediator. But Preston Nichols, she knew about him and Preston see I was wanting Preston to help us because he knew about uh the ultra he knew some stuff because of Brookhaven and because of the sound waves. And because uh, he was using that Viber sound, remember what I told and you that they what used I and, I beca- <laughs> and I became a dolphin. And so now let's Karen does. Let Karen
2: talk. We're almost out. Well, yeah, see, you talk, Karen. I just got this video. Let Karen talk. Back in back in '95, okay. I just got this video, the old timey video that we used to get. Looked like a five by seven book. From from uh, it was a, a black market video, and I don't know how he even knew who I was. And I got it in the mail, and there was a sticky. Uh, note on there, it said "Enjoy!" exclamation point, Karen. And it was from Preston Nichols. I don't even know how he knew me. Well, now I'm sure he knew me from another level. At that time, I was wasn't attuned that much to this And then did you know Vince? I started trying. No, Vince. I, I started trying to.
1: No, uh-huh. no why do you say? Who? Peter Moon. Peter Moon. Vince? Oh, that's, he, no, okay, I didn't. Did, okay. I'd heard
2: the name. Yeah, I've heard the name. Yeah. He was with him up there, wasn't he?
1: Uh huh. He wrote In the Monta- book. I
2: can't remember. Peter Pete.
1: Peter, Peter he was Scientology
2: Because because see I saw yeah. a picture he, he sent me a picture of his house and his whole house was computers you know from ceiling uh-huh. to 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 the roof. And, uh, right. and then all of a sudden, I just set out for no reason to, to find out more about the Philadelphia Experiment. And I literally started researching Al Bielik, and, and I didn't know why or how I was doing it, and came across where he lived in Marietta, Georgia. And then I found out later that Paula, when she came to get me in 2012, knew them. And it, we're all connected and so wow. I remember this woman that, uh, while I was connecting with this Philadelphia experiment that they made the movie of and everything, and this one of the, the, uh, Allende was his last name, had a, some kind of a factory or some kind of a business in Garland. And there was supposed to be some stored ET stuff from there. And so yep. a friend of mine who was an attorney, we went out there and tried to, get into stuff and be childlike with an exploration mind. And uh, some of the lights went off. It was close to dark, and we took out. We went, We didn't do anything. We just wanted to see where it was. And Did you we go were to, actually the probably being Cause we to the building?
1: Because I've been there. We went to the building.
2: There were lights do all you, around it.
1: But do you, I mean, and can I'm you sure they they, describe it? In your mind, Farming? I want to see if it's the same one. Well, it
2: looked just like a plain building, uh, like a warehouse or something. And then there was also, we drove into some place. It looked like it didn't have a door to it. It looked like an empty barn. And then once, we didn't know why we were in there. And then we drove out, and then some red lights went off, and we were in a forerunner, and we we left because we didn't know what to do or why we were out there. And so then somehow I was. Put in touch with this woman named Beth in uh, Tucson, and, and who are new to these contacts. I don't even know how I was doing it. You know, kind of like you a little bit.
1: I do. And um, some <laughs> pieces to do it to you. I call them these, well, these yeah, but they'll
2: that's direct they you to put the pieces sh- together. That's that's right, that's right. And she was telling me that her father had been one of those German scientists that had come over with Einstein and some of the others and had helped uh, with the, mm hmm exactly, and to uh, go into the portals. And to if they wanted to go through the portals, they could. And she saw her own father do that. And she said it was very painful to break down the material body to do that and uh, I, I forgot her last name, and I wondered that this very day, she said, you're young, and she said, you're very uh, curious, and you're a seeker. She said, you need to meet David Childress, and I said, who's that? She said, well, he is, um, he explores like you, doing researches, and he is lives in in illinois and that's it so she mentioned just a few names and then later after they put me together with star works and paula and everything then everything fit together all the pieces came together because, well, not all um, of them, not and, yet.
1: Wait till you get all this part. <laughs> not all of them. Not all of them. I know.
2: And then, yeah, because I had a student come from a Unity church and from, from a sermon from there, and she came to her lesson with me, and she said, Guess what? They have a UFO conference in Glen Rose. And I said, Are you kidding? and so i had i told you about that that i had uh was when when the stevenville lights came on and i was working with that ceo and robert and the 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 uh, the uh our cpa said don't let her go out there because they'll fire her and uh he he said you can't do it he said you can't because you promised you know randy that you'd go through with these projects and i said okay i won't and he said, if you're supposed to be tied in with it, it'll come to you. So then three that, three years later in 2012 is when Judy came in from her session at the Unity and said, we, there's a UFO conference in Glen Rose about Stephenville lights. So I said, well, let's pick up the phone and call and get a reservation. So we did, and Paul answered the phone, and she was from Rome and here, and then I had lived in Rome. We spoke a little Italian. And she said, you're my speaker down there. I said, are you kidding? I said, I've never spoken in <laughs> front of a group of people like that. And she said, I'm going to do it for you. you're supposed to do it. You'll be it. And I had just published my CDs, and uh, it was everything just spins real fast, you know. And I mean, I've done a lot of family of origin counseling, worked with families, and you know that sort of thing, but never two or three hundred people. And so I did, and and I was really scared to death, and it was I looked terrible, and I was swollen from my autoimmune stuff, and uh, but anyway, she was fantastic, and she introduced me to. The Next Big Step, and all of her conferences are really fantastic. I mean, she's great.
1: And I haven't met her. She, me. Janet has. Janet, now, see, I've never been in any UFO stuff. I was never allowed. I don't know if it was the government or the ETs probably the or Well, probably, it's, cause it's interesting. And I just want to let
0: you know that we're yeah. off the air right now. We're, this is going into recording but we're off the air. We we're not, Oh, we are. Well, they hadn't up, cut oh, us right off yet? Let me look off. at
1: mine. They oh, haven't yeah. kicked us off.
0: Normally they kick us off. I don't, we're, I don't know. If we're, I don't know
1: if we're, yeah, we're still huh. recording.
0: Yeah, but we could it, get kicked. Uh, I don't know. We don't. Well, do you want to but, do this again, Karen? Again.
1: Uh-huh, I mean, go ahead. Great, she's just getting into her... Y'all, that's Paula Harris, right? You're talking about Paula Harris? Because you, did, you yeah. just said Paula. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's leave these for oh, teasers.
0: Sorry. Teasers for next week. Let's do. Let's do this for teasers. Because I don't know what. If, I mean. I, I don't think, think say we've got a lot of pieces recorded. of the puzzle.
2: To, I think we've got a lot of pieces of this puzzle coming together. And it's yeah, like a there's a lot of, puzzle, of mine. Like little by little. The three of us are together for a reason because when I was sitting back listening, I could just feel a lot of ETS and different dimensional things shifting in here, and everywhere. And I mean, you know. I can't just tell you so much. Uh, well, I know Robert and time. I were driving to Houston, yeah. and we lost three hours, and we were just we weren't going to Houston, and we ended up halfway in Houston, and we just went up the streets.
1: Yeah, I I we lived in Houston, a lot of I lost them. time in Houston. I, I lost a lot of time yeah. in Houston, and they would show well, me the spin things. They spun yeah. a merry-go-round, and I think I would ask if that was happening, or or they'd turn all the lights off or on. So I learned to talk to them by, uh, to anybody else, you can't tell them this, but, you know, if we're going to tell this story, we might as well put all the